If you're out there, we hope you're having a great day. This is Deep Spirituality, and we're picking up on our part two of our podcast about behavior uh, modification versus heart transformation. And we were talking about spiritual burnout in the previous episode, and we're going to get right back into it because we know that you and I and all of us were human and that trying to be a Christian and trying to be in church and trying to be a part of a culture where you talk about doing righteous things or right things versus wrong things, it can end up having a disturbing impact on us when we start to live for performance. So we talked about exhaustion, and we're going to just run through a couple of thoughts and some scriptures. We promised you that we were going to give you some tips. Now, remember, we're not experts at this. We're trying to struggle along just like you, but we're, we've been studying this out. I know I have. And one of the things I want to start with is just a thought. In most cases, what exhausts Christians is the extraordinary effort to be something we are not. What does that mean to you guys? Man, I mean, I think like, uh, you know, the last episode we talked about how we're trying to be, you know, performing at a certain level, you know, and I think uh, for me, I, I can think something I'm not is is this, I have this image of of the, the perfect mic, the mic that doesn't hurt anybody's feelings, the mic that's a good husband who, you know, cleans up at home and is totally aware of people's needs and is emotionally expressive, you know, and, and right. And there's a, a balance there because those are all things I probably need to do and, and should do. But then there's the, the person who, you know, that's, that's natural for me or that's easy for me or, yeah. or, you know, like I don't struggle with any of those Tell things. Tell me, you grew, up, you, you grew up in the church. And so you must have felt periods of time as a teenager mm -hmm. where you were, you were like, I don't even want to do this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, you're laughing. So you must have some stories. Yeah. yeah. We well, want stories. <laughs> stories. Well, yeah. I mean, it's funny because, um, as a teenager growing up around church and uh you know this discussion about the the performance and the behavior and stuff uh, i felt that a lot but what was frustrating is or what was difficult for me at the time was not expressing it right like that oh. was that was inside a lot some of my friends did and did you feel very, like you couldn't i felt like i couldn't i felt very afraid of what would happen and, and I felt, can you expand on that what would happen cuz i i didn't grow up in the church so what would you be afraid would happen? Well, I mean, You'd be excommunicated <laughs> by the church pope, Man, <laughs> the right. bishop. Yeah, on, on sent out. I have to live in the wilderness. <laughs> um, I mean, there are times you know I saw in our you know I was in the high school group, the, yeah. the high school teen ministry, and and you know I've saw from there are times for myself and others where you know oh let me uh, say something I did or or some sin that I got into or or some you know thing I did wrong I feel guilty about. And there was such a, like a disproportionate response to that, that it was very, you know, sometimes either harsh or maybe we were just like really fragile or something. But I remember seeing things and going like, I don't want that. I don't want to be, I don't want to be challenged. When, or, when or you say disproportionate, is, does that describe a physical, that, mental, emotional that's response? That's probably an emotional statement. You know, like I, I feel like, man, I know like that probably wasn't a good thing to do. Yeah. You know, like I, yeah. I, I overslept, I cheated on my homework, I right. lied to my mom, right. you know, I looked at this girl. But uh seems like didn't warrant like that level of emotion back, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, man, you know, because we had people. I you were carried out in cuffs. Yeah. <laughs> carried yeah. out in cuffs in a jumpsuit, orange jumpsuit. Right. And that's it's a little bit systemic, right? Because you have people who volunteer to help and lead and, yeah. and coach and stuff. And, and if those folks who are supposed to be my mentors are, are thinking like, I need to be on. And, and then if, if this kid is not doing well, that's a reflection on me, you know? And so I 
upon reflection, I think that's maybe what I felt because there was probably too much emotion. You know, I, I, I know when I was, you know, leading as a college student, I was leading, leading different things. I tended to respond most harshly when I was doing the same thing the person <laughs> was doing. That's yes. what I find when I look back, I go, it's really weird. It's like somebody might sit down and go, oh man, I was really blowing it, man. I was super, whatever they were into. I was super worldly and I was drinking or wanted to drink or, you know, I was flirting with this girl or whatever. And if I was doing the same thing, I can't, it's like, I can't even explain the psychology, <laughs> right? I, I know I can explain yeah. it. It's the psychology of hypocrisy. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I would be, I would be like, like major boom. Right. What are you doing again? And you know what I realized? I've learned. I was imitating behavior mm. that of, of people who were more mature, who actually weren't as demonstrative as me, but I right. just thought, Oh, this is how I need to be. Right. If someone messes up, I need to be this way. That's the being someone you're not. That's right. yeah. boy. I'll tell you. And, and cause I mean, I conversely, like the times that I felt close, like I also had, you know, other teenagers in my peer group and, and also, you know, uh, volunteer leaders who were mentors who, who were totally just real and just like, man, I'm blown. And and I felt so like a lot closer and endeared to those folks. Right. And to right. someone to this day, I still have relationships too because of how authentic they were. And, you know, I, I, there's more, more trust there. And that's something that always stuck with me, even though I didn't necessarily it imitate took me, it. It took me a lot of failure to learn that the best way to respond to someone who's sharing their who's being vulnerable about their life. Cause it's not always about sin. In fact, I think a lot of times it's just emotion. You know, I think when the emotions come out, typically sin comes out with it, but sometimes it's just emotion. Mm -hmm, right. What I realized about myself is I was so emotionally immature in my twenties. I wasn't just spiritually immature. I was emotionally immature. And so some of my harshness, was just that I only had a few emotions. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like when you're dealing with like three emotions, you're like, okay, which emotion do I use here? Right. And I, you know, I didn't, and I didn't understand it. But then I learned, oh, I'm supposed to respond by sharing my life. And so mm -hmm. if someone says to me, oh, I cheated on a test, then I go, oh man, let me tell you about when <laughs> I cheated on a test. And here's the worst part. I got an A, <laughs> you <Rookie>. know, <laughs> you know, and so. Rookie, <laughs> rookie, you got to see and you cheated. Oh man, uh, I, had, me, I had systems for my cheating, man. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I cheating wasn't my my. I wasn't my forte, but um, our souls. Here's another thought: our souls are not made whole by following the rules, by modifying our behavior. Yet more often than not, this is the trap that snares us. What do you think about that, Nick? Yeah, I think I don't know. I was thinking about this story with me and Jen. Jen's my wife. Um, that uh. Naturally, I'm just not a very loving person, and that's something that's something that could be hard for me to admit. I'm actually really selfish. I remember this time I was trying to be more loving and giving, and I was like, "I'm going to make dinner every day." Um, so I'm making dinner, and I end up getting really frustrated because me and her aren't getting closer. Um, and I'm like, "What? Well, I'm serving more. I'm serving more. <laughs> We're not getting closer." <laughs> and I, we go on this walk around our neighborhood, and I'm like. And I'm I'm getting frustrated. Like, you know, I'm serving. You don't seem to be grateful for how much I'm serving. Right? <laughs> Did you and, not taste that? And food? I, I want this closeness. And I think me me making dinner is like the key, right? So that's what I'm doing, kind of relying on myself. I I don't even know where that idea came from, but I'm I'm doing it, it's right? The Italian in you. And man. then he's she's like, you know, I I do appreciate you making dinner, but 
a good 80% of the time, you're just putting something in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in my mind, I was like, what are you talking about? And I just paused for like 30 seconds. I just thought. My I was culinary like, execution. <laughs> I know. I paused and I just thought. And I was like, oh, she's right. Like most of the time I'm putting something in the microwave and that's for her. But I'm not doing the basic stuff of like sharing my life, what we're talking about. Right. Hey, here's how I'm really doing. Here's yeah. what's really going on. Yeah. Oh, by the way, how 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 are you really doing? Like right. how how's your relationship with God? How right. how's your day really, you know? And I think it's it's funny, it's like this striving to be unselfish, so, but so, I'm so inadequate and I'm and I'm failing I have a question. at loving. You that's said what it you, felt like. You said you're not a loving person, which I, I you know, I don't know if that's true or not. But is it that you're not loving or is it you're not vulnerable? Because it sounds like you're talking about being vulnerable. Sometimes you can be harsh on yourself and go, I'm a, not a loving person. I don't know that you're, I mean, I've known you a little while. I'm not sure you're like, you know, the <laughs> Grinch who stole Christmas. But what I, can I, I'll just say yeah. for me, the thing in my marriage, I, I'll never forget when I, the Gail sang to me one time, she said, um, you, uh, you're, you're never vulnerable. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like I, it was like I was like, at that point when I heard that word, I was like, uh, "What value does that word have in the human vocabulary?" <laughs> uh, vulnerable, and 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 what it is is I didn't want to be vulnerable to be hurt, and that goes back to when I was I could go back and tell stories from my memory of seven years old on of being feeling rejected by people or whatever. And I'm talking about as far back as second grade or having someone laugh at me and going, "I'm never going to be vulnerable to be any let myself get hurt that way." And a lot of the love and the emotion that I had that could come out wasn't coming out because I had felt hurt in the past. And so I was going around like a bull in a china shop. And so sometimes it's, you know, that what you're describing is really cool. It's that we develop this invulnerable behavior because we're afraid of getting hurt. And, 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 and so it's easier to do outward things than, than to than let people in. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I think how I grew up and, uh, me being vulnerable is definitely not a strength uh, at all. And I think that that story I just told is just one example of trying to uh, replace that with some type of behavior um, that is is much less risky than being honest about, I feel alone and I'd like to be close, <laughs> basically, <laughs> in that example. Yeah, or, yeah that's cool. Um, so, yeah, I think vulnerability has always been a challenge for me in every relationship friends marriage do you think that's just um, the problem guys have do you think it's all is, is, i think you, a lot of guys have that that problem i i don't know if all of them but i think uh yeah i think a lot how of how many guys, really vulnerable guys do you know not many, not many. <laughs> <laughs> not, that's not what many. i'm thinking i'm going uh okay in, in this room right now <laughs> yeah and that, and that could come from uh rejection that could uh, in in relationships, dating, growing up, it could it well the old proverbial, yeah. you know, social and psychological studies that have been done, where girls are allowed to grow up and 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 I'm not saying women get a fair deal; they don't in life at all. But that that men grow up and they're not taught that crying is okay or good. So if you cry, it's like, what are you doing? You know, and uh, that may even have across the board, but I don't I don't think that's something we learn. I'm even hesitant to call a lack of vulnerability a weakness per se. You said it's not my strength. I just think it's something we have to, I think everybody's got to learn it. I think it depends on what family you grew up in and, and your, your, your spiritual environment. But I think the, the, the thing I would say is that you haven't, and this is where I was at. I'll speak for myself. I didn't see the powerful benefits of vulnerability. So I would, I wouldn't tell anybody, 
man, that's just not your strength. I would say you're missing out because that like the, there's a level of happiness you have. I have when I'm completely vulnerable and the people around me know everything and I'm not hiding anything good Definitely or bad. Or right. It's just it's like, oh, yeah, it's like drinking a kombucha. Have you ever had one of those? <laughs> I love kombuchas. Only one a day for me, because if I drink more than that, it can that you know, stuff frightens it, me, man. <laughs> oh, man, a kombucha is the most refreshing. You feel the health flowing into your body. Feel something. It's amazing. <laughs> you know, see, see, you got you got to try kombucha because to me, it it. I'm just telling you, it's all like right. tofu, man. You got to try it before you hate <laughs> on it. Okay, tofu. Um, right. but so what we're talking about really is is vulnerability as a pathway to being about your heart, not your behavior. Well, I think the right. way that you describe that too, because uh, <clears throat> we get sort of uh, this this performance behavior modification mentality that we have comes in my experience anyways from like i need to imitate what i saw or, I, or like i need to do this thing because i'm afraid of of consequences yes. or, or you know versus the hey this is a path to where you really want to go like, right i feel like that's not as at least i don't really communicate that way so i vulnerability is something that it's almost counterintuitive you think of combat you think of like don't leave yourself vulnerable you're yeah. gonna get attacked right yeah, so i right. feel like you have to unlearn that Yep, and definitely. unless you see like some sort of like incentive for that, you know, that's, that's going to be very difficult to navigate. I, I will say to what you said earlier, the times, the time I felt the most refreshed in my life yeah. and since when I, when I studied the Bible and I was completely honest about every part of my life, emotion, yeah. sin, yeah. good, bad, ugly. Yeah. And I wasn't living a double life or those days a triple life. Yeah. <laughs> one way around <laughs> my family, one way around my girlfriend, one way around my friends. Right. But I was me and I was me for me. And, and I felt closer to people for right. sure. And I, I felt that freedom. I felt that kind of the kombucha moment you're talking about. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, man. I See, Cameron, I've coined a phrase. It has a name. You got to have your kombucha moment. <laughs> Producer Cameron is You know morning. you've reached total vulnerability when you have your kombucha moment. <laughs> we want you all now to go to Sprout. We want you to go to Sprout. Actually, actually Safeway says sells kombucha now. So you can probably get it a little bit cheaper over at Safeway. Just make sure that it's the real thing. Watch the sugar kind. You know what? I always go with the, the, you can't have the sugar kind. You have to watch the caffeine content too, because there's a little caffeine in there. And if you don't handle caffeine well, you got to watch out. In kombucha? In kom, yeah, 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 yeah. Kombucha. (laughs) What did I say? You said kombucha. It's kombucha. (laughs) (laughs) What are you you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) It's I, I, Anyway, we want to have that kombucha moment. That's what we're saying. <laughs> we're drinking too much kombucha before the show. You're drunk on kombucha. There is an alcoholic version of kombucha. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think there I is. Have. It's a little more alcohol. It's got the dark bottle. You got to be careful out there, man. Now, Mike's going to run it down and he's going to buy it, yeah, a right. six pack of to, kombucha. You got to drink 20 of them. Can we take a break? Mike, right. you're not trying to be healthy. Come on, Mike. That's not a health. I'm not getting painted very That's well. That's not a health. Mike's he's, he's swerving back and forth on the road. It's like a V8. <laughs> Sorry, everybody, but that just that just that that got me right there. Uh so so what you said is <laughs> what you I can't, don't remember what we were yeah. talking about. No, no, I remember exactly <laughs> okay. what you're talking about. You said vulner reaching that point of vulnerability is that kombucha moment. It's a moment of refreshment. Yeah. Here's the key thing is when I when I was becoming a Christian. I had nothing to lose. It's that Rocky three beach moment with his wife telling Rocky, Rocky, because mm. he was really, really afraid to now fight. I'm afraid. All right. You want to hear me say it? You want to break me down? All right. I'm afraid. And she said, what are you? What are you afraid of? 
What do we have that you're afraid to lose that we can't get back? And I think the challenge I feel in church culture as a leader, as a Christian, is that there's so, and I know I, I know I've been responsible for putting that pressure on people by my own spiritual ignorance. There's such a pressure to perform. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I try not to do it, but it's just, I think it's a human thing, right? Mm-hmm. There's such a pressure to perform. And what we all have to do is fight back. And one of the best ways to fight back is with this unconditional acceptance of people as they are. Mm-hmm. That doesn't right. mean you're not going to, you're going you're to try to encourage them, strengthen them, even challenge them to be better. But it, it, it's that sense of, I, it's like that sense of parenting where you're like, I totally love my kid and believe in my kid, but I've got to get them to catch this thing. And so it's the ability to make sure someone is totally unconditionally accepted. And at the, and I didn't understand, I mean, for most of my life, I mean, I was a total failure at that. So <laughs> it's just sad to think about. I don't mean traumatized by my own memories, but look at this relationship versus performance. That's the key. So when you're living vulnerably, that's what gets you out of burnout is when you stop saying, I have to be a certain thing and you start saying, I just need to be in right relationship. And so I want to read Jeremiah 17 because it gets us started. Cursed is the one who trusts in human strength. Now I'm going to put some parameters around that. And I'm going to say, when you trust in human strength, you're trusting in human performance. You're trusting in human talent. You're trusting in human wisdom. You're getting humanistic about your Christianity. Literally, you can be a Christian humanist where you're a Christian, but you're not spiritual at all. You've got your list of rules and you're self-righteous. Usually when you have, when you have that list of rules, you start putting a list of rules up next to everybody's head. It's like you're walking around with the glasses that have a computer in it. And they, <laughs> you see Mike query and list it next to him are all his failures and sin. And then you think, well, I'm not like that. And suddenly that condemning mentality comes out. And when it's condemning culture, no one wants to be vulnerable, right? Right. Cause you're right. like, I ain't getting out there and getting right. my, that's what you said. Right. Right. You know, once you see somebody else go through the gauntlet, you're like, <laughs> nah, I think I'm good. I'll just, you know, go pray to God. Right. Curse is the one who trusts in human strength or performance and the abilities of mere mortals. His very heart strays from the eternal. He's like a little shrub in the desert that never grows. Hmm. He will see no good thing come his way. I'm not sure it's saying that no good thing will come his way. But it does say he will see no good thing come hmm. his way. Why? Good point. When you live as when you live by performance and behavior, every day of your life you can always find something you're doing wrong. Right. So you can never be happy. Hmm. He will live in a desert wasteland, a barren land of salt where no one lives. Well, look at this, verse seven, the kombucha moment. <laughs> but blessed is the one who trusts in me alone. The eternal will be his confidence. He is like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots beside the stream. It does not fear the heat or even drought. It leaves its leaves stay green and its fruit is dependable no matter what it faces. The eternal will be its confidence. I got a story for you. So when I became a Christian real early on, you know, I was trying to be a Christian and I was really terrible at being a Christian. I'm still not really good at being a Christian. I'm trying. Um, I had an accounting test and I had to study for it. And I was up with my friends. We were all studying for finals. And I laid on my bed and I was reading my book and, you know, everybody was around and it was late. It was probably one, one thirty, And, uh, I was like wanting to go over some stuff again. And the next thing I know, I woke up and it was the next morning. Oh man. And I hadn't finished studying. And I remember, uh, my friends going, someone knocked on the door and said, you want to go eat breakfast? I said, just woke up. I got a test. And they're like, Oh, you know, kind of breakfast. And I remember thinking in my head, well, I'm a Christian. 
And even if I fail this test, I'm still going to heaven. So <laughs> I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm just going to go down and eat my oatmeal or eat my bagel. And, and so I just went down. I never did anything like that in my life. I just walked downstairs and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm a dead man walking. So it's no use. The test is in an hour. It takes 15 minutes to walk to class. So I might as well eat with my friends and just go, it is what it is. Now I remember praying on my way to the test, something I'd never really done as a Christian. I'd never walked and prayed. And I got there, I took it and I got out. I had no idea how I did. I just couldn't tell. I was so nervous in, in the sense of, I was like, I didn't study. I didn't study enough. I didn't study enough. And I just took it, went home and Right before I was going to leave, I went back. You know how you go back to the professor's uh, door? That's how they did it in my college. Uh, he, he put the grades on the door next to your right. your number or whatever it was. And so I went back and I looked and I was following it down, you know, you know, A's, B's, C's, get to my name. And I see A minus and I freak. <laughs> I go, how in the camping world did that happen? How did that happen? And I associate that with living by relationship instead of performance. Hmm. I'm not recommending that any college students do that. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, do that. But I think God sometimes blesses you despite your human effort. Right. And that it doesn't mean good things even have to happen. If I had gotten a D, that didn't mean God didn't bless me. Now, I know some of you out there going, you're crazy. No, it doesn't mean that. I, you, there's a lot of ways that God blesses us. The problem is when you're humanistic all the time and you live by performance, you're always looking for an A. and most people say, well, the story would have, wouldn't it be good if you had said you got an F? It could have been. What if I said I got an F and that changed how I thought about <laughs> college and I started yeah. studying hard and ended up graduating with a 4.0, which I didn't. Like there's, <laughs> there's, you just never know. And I think part of living in relationship with God is saying the journey is not about my performance. The journey is about the relationship I built. And I think what happened to me that day in college is I actually, for the first time as a Christian, began to understand this is about a relationship. Go ahead and eat the bagel, the cream cheese. You're not in control. This is about relationship. And I think that's the way to relieve a lot of the burnout that a lot of people feel. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I <clears throat> I mean, I thought about one of the first jobs I had out of college I did, or, uh, was, um, you know, I was doing phone support, just technical support. And then right. soon after that, I moved into phone sales. And that job was grueling. You know, you're just sitting at a desk eight hours a day. Holy moly. Just calls. I think like 40 calls in a day, 50 and, uh, and I remember the, the thing that was sort of got me through the day was cause I was probably on the bottom of the leaderboards. Like they, they would, they would show like, <laughs> okay, <screens. Tiger. laughs> well, no, they, would, they would show screens on the walls and they would have all the sales team, their names and the dollar value they sold for that. Whoa. Day. Wow. So it was just, you know, very strong pressure to perform like literal. And so it was just like over time just demoralizing because I just thought, you know, there's Mike right at the bottom and uh, <laughs> true bringing in the rear again. Where's Mike dollars. at the bottom? But it was funny. They put me in a pod with, uh, with a, a, a guy. A podcast? With, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. sorry. And now I'm here uh, in a, uh, I don't know, whatever, a little cubicle sort of deal. But it was a little, anyways, uh, it was a cool spot. We had posters. But, uh, <clears throat> and he was a good friend. He became a really good friend of mine and we still keep in touch. But he, uh, he was a top salesman of the team of the, the, the organization, the company. And so he had the top and bottom. And so, uh, I'd be really just down a lot by my performance every time I look at the board, but then I just became really good friends with this guy. And he taught, you know, I think it became something I would look forward to is like, I'm not going to 
I've, I'm giving up on performing well because yes. it's not getting anywhere. So I just learned to enjoy the relationship. So every time a call ended, wow. I would just talk and be like, we'll bomb that one. And he's like, that yeah, I heard you. You totally sure did. Cool. That is <laughs> totally we just, cool. We would just laugh, you know? And so later, <clears throat> eventually I, so it helped me to start making more friends and, and eventually a, a, a job opened up in the web design department, like a, a position. And, and, you know, I had no experience. Like I, I studied sociology and, and I, I did, I did an IT job, so I had some technical chops, but uh, there was a spot open, and I had made so many friends at that point, they said, like, uh, hey, we want you to interview for the, this this gig. And I was like, you know, I've never even, like, touched Photoshop. I don't know HTML. And they're like, just just do it. And then I, I ended up getting the job because I had made friends with everybody. We got out, we go out to pizzas every lunch, you know, like, we go on walks. And uh, and so that, where I am today, I'm, you know, growing, and, and I do a lot of web marketing and and design and stuff now because at some point I just gave up on trying to perform well because I was not there. You go. And I was like, might as well enjoy my time here and make friends, you know. There so right go. before I was about to get, you know, the boot for my horrible sales job, you know, and I think God orchestrated a lot. So he said, like, here you go. And then so that kind of set the path for me. And so Mike has closed out this episode of our spiritual burnout behavior modification to heart transformation podcast by telling us the only way to freedom, the only way to your kombucha moment is to give up on performance and start living for relationship. We'll see you again in episode three.